the spiritual years for what God's got to say. Thanks, Robert. Just let's take a moment. Those, um, that dedication. Thanks, Anna. You know, families are so fantastic, and I guess some of you can still remember the times when you dedicated your children, your babies, and how significant and special it was. It's like, you know, we're often looking forward, but sometimes it's good to look back and to remember. And to remember what God has done with those children that we dedicated to the Lord. Not plain sailing. Not easy. But so worthwhile. And so let's just take a minute to, to reflect on that this morning. Just let's remember what God has done with your children. And just um, perhaps you can, um, well, oh, oh. Now this is... Uh, yeah, well, God comes. You know, He comes to circle us this morning. He comes to, to circle and to, to gather and to come around us and say, I'm with you. I'm with you. Some of you can laugh around your family life, but some of you cry. But God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. I was there when you dedicated your children. I've been there every step of the way. And there's a, like a longing in God's heart. A lot, like you long for your children, he longs for them too. He's not distant. He's not separate. He's not estranged from your children. He's with them and loves them and reaches out to them. Well, every day, every day, every day. So let's just, just take a wee ta a time, and I'm just going to pray. just going to give you a minute just to, just to reflect on your families, on your children, where they're going to. Wonderful God. Lord, we hold up families today. Lord, we hold up the mums and the dads. God, all different, all different situations. We're all so different, and yet, Lord, you love us all. And we pray that you would bring a new canopy, a new overshadowing over the families present here, that, Lord, you'd continue to draw them by your spirit. You'd continue continue to oh, put the banner of love over them. God, even today that they would know wherever they are across the world or here in Christchurch, they would know your love drawing them, wooing them, breathing upon them afresh, that those old flames that have already dying would go and the new, the new, God, what is new that you have got for them, you would breathe upon them and call it forth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God's a mystery. He's a mystery. All right, yes, please.
Thank you. That's great. Super. Okay, well, it's been a fun week. I've had to accelerate. And um, it's a bit of fun. <laughs> and, but it's a real privilege to be here this morning with you. And uh, just, just to pick up what God is doing. You know, he is fanning the fire. He's fanning the fire in your hearts. You know, we've come so far. And actually, this is a very exciting church to be part of. Because it's like we're just beginning to fly. We're just going to begin to run and to move forward in what God has got for us. And he's teaching us his ways. You know, we're putting off ways that haven't worked. Lord, some things, you know, we get into a groove and think, well, it's got to work. And if I beat it a bit more and if I push it a bit harder, it's sure that old car will start, you know, crank it up again and crank it up again. And still it doesn't fire. And God says, give up. Sell it. Get rid of that old car and get a new one. I believe God's got some new things for us, exciting things, as we shift into what God has called us into. Oh, breathe upon us, wind of God, I pray. Breathe upon us, wind of God. Okay, I'm going to preach on how do we get to where we are going. And um, is it a time to reset? And uh, if we need directions, well, God's there. And uh, Jesus is there. Don, you brought that through so well this morning. Jesus is here, and um, he will show us the way. Okay, if we, are, if we know our de destination, we set our GPSs accordingly. If we're going to Rolleston, Franz Joseph, I've just been up on the helicopter a few months ago in Franz Joseph, loved it, whoa, I recommend it. But if I set my GPS to get there. And um, if you're going on a hut, into a hut on, say, the Rootburn or any other of our tracks, I guess you can put it into your GPS, can you? I bet you can these days. So, you know, but the destination is important to know how to get there. On a billboard, it was written up, do you have any idea where you are going, God? Will the road you are on get you to my place? Need directions? God. And I had a sense as I began to prepare that sometimes we're in a fog, and that fog isn't always the Holy Spirit, although it would be wonderful if it was. But it's like a fog. It's, we're cluttered just cluttered with so many things that we feel obligated to fulfill, and we miss the main thing of letting Jesus be the center and guiding us by his spirit. And so, um, what do you think? Do you know your destination? Do you know the direction you're going in to get to the destination? So you know you're going to actually arrive. Or you're just hoping, you know, a bit like Charlie Brown. You know, when Charlie Brown flies his arrows, he pulls his bow back, shoots the arrow, and hits the board, and then he draws the bullseye around it. <laughs> eh? We can be very much like that, can't we? 
lots of our own plans, lots of our own arrows. But just to make sure it's God, we draw our own centre or bullseye. And we think, well, we've hit it. But we're way off track, way off track. And um, so I'm just going to talk a wee bit about this morning. We talked a lot about uh, reset um, after covid and, um, you know, there was, that was the buzzword, reset, reset. Have you heard it's reset? Have you heard it's reset, reset, let's reset. And I, I guarantee the majority of us thought programs, methods, uh, structures. What's God going to do? Is he going to change the program? Are we going to go to church anymore? Are we all going to sit in, by the fire and drink lattes and, and at home and listen to it online? And it was all about programs and structures. But I wonder, I wonder if God is resetting not the structures or the methods or the programs or the church, but he's resetting our hearts. How many thought about that? How many thought that God, through COVID, through the you know, the, the, the big high rise that came down in Miami this week. Through all the things that we see, is he resetting our hearts? Could it be that he wants to shift and change our hearts, our affections, our loves, what we love? What do we love? What do we care about the most? So I'm going to address two things. Firstly, our destination um, as Christians, and secondly, the journey to our destination. So I'm going to look into those areas. Okay, the destination, first of all, because if we don't know our destination, we don't know how we're getting there. We don't know if we're on track. All right, in Hebrews 11, verse 8 to 10, those who've got your Bibles, you're welcome to look at them. It says, by faith. Abraham, when, he call, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, he obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. This is one of my most favorite passages in Hebrews 11. It talks all about the, the great champions of faith. But then it comes, and this is Abraham, the father of faith. The, he was there at the beginning. And he, he, but why he walked... And why he went into the promised land. He obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went. He obeyed and he went. Why? Because his eyes were set on looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. He was looking to a spiritual home. He was looking forward to a, um, a uh, with spiritual vision. That's what what drew him. He didn't know where he was going naturally. 
He'd never been into Canaan, to the promised land, but it was, he had a spiritual vision. He had a spiritual um, focus that took him there. And I believe that's what God wants us to have. But our destination is a heavenly home. A heavenly home. And of course, in, we see in um, Revelations uh, in 21, a new Jerusalem. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For, he, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. It's going to be amazing, people. It's going to be amazing. Much better than we could ever, ever dream of. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared for a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. That's us. God's getting this new Jerusalem ready for his bride. We're his bride. How precious is the bride to the husband? How precious is he, is she, to the bridegroom? And that's who we are, his church. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. So this is our destination. This is where our communion, our our total absorption will be heavenly. It will be all about beautiful um, relationships and uh, God's presence, God's power. And that's where our destination is. That's where we're heading. And some of you people, young people, you're thinking of what's coming. Well, that's what's coming. So let's align our, our traveling through into the journey. Whoa, 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 because if we don't journey there, we're not going to get there. Whoa, whoa, whoa. God wants to break open, break open, break open and realign us. Realign us into what God, accordingly to our destination, Whoa, the higher purpose so much captivates our minds, our careers, our, um, our housing, the cold. I think about that most days. <laughs> you know, futile, really. <laughs> I thought, Miriam, get over it. Get over it. It's winter time. <laughs> just accept it. Don't even think about it. Just put on another jersey, you know, instead of... And I think so much that we get caught up is if only we would be caught up more in our heavenly pursuit and dream dreams of heaven on earth. And that's where we're leading. That's where we're going. Oh, wonderful Jesus. You know, Jesus came and gave it all. He came at all. He made a way where there was no way. We didn't have access to God. We weren't going to heaven. Because we were dead in our sins. But Jesus came and he made a way. He paid the price for our sin. 
that we could have entrance to God, fellowship with God, and through into heaven. Oh, you know, we're the most rich and most blessed people on earth. Hugely. We're on a win-win. We're winning here and we're winning when we move on. It's a win-win every day. And I'm going to go on to explain. Okay, our destination. And now let's move on to the journey. Let's look at the journey, because that's really where we are at. Yes, that heaven part, that's all up to God. When we leave this earth, we'll fly away, and that will be all by his power. He'll take us there. But to, today, we're walking with him. So I'm going to pick up in Philippians and uh, read the first couple of verses relating to the journey, the how, the how. What's our responsibility? Because we do have a responsibility. It's just not all God. We have a partnership with him. When we come to Christ, we have partner with him. Mm. So, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. This is Paul writing to the Philippian church. And um, Paul is in, in, in um, well, I was going to say, he's in prison and uh, in Rome. But he's writing to the Philippian church, encouraging them. And he, he does this in most of the, the letters to the churches. He, first of all, he encourages their consecration to Christ. He recommends Christ to them. He, Jesus, Jesus is the way. Keep your eyes on him. Keep looking to him. And, um, and, uh, and then he talks about, in most of his letters, including here, his love for the church. His love for the church. We are his body. That's pretty intimate, isn't it? It's a pretty personal type of imagery. He is the head of his church. Jesus is the head. And we are his body. So we're connected. There's no body without the head. Some have found that out. You know? We have to have a head for the body to work. The, the body won't work unless the head is present and functioning well. Has, the head has to function well for the body to work. And s s sometimes we have sicknesses where the, the, the brain... Is it working so well? We see that with dementia. We see that with um, uh, other muscular type problems where the body no longer works because the brain isn't functioning as it should. And the brain is in the head. 
So Jesus is our head. And if we are, he will function in the way that he, he's ever present. He's ever present by his spirit. Jesus is always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. You can commune with Jesus in the spirit realm anytime you choose. You draw on the Holy Spirit. You say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Where are you? Come Holy Spirit. I know you're in me because I've been redeemed. I've been reconciled to Christ. But also there's a presence that will come upon me. And the Holy Spirit will increase as you talk to him. And you learn the language, how he talks and how he communicates. And you can have that relationship with him night and day. And I know a lot of you do. Amazing. Amazing. So, this is Paul, and he's saying, if, I want to encourage you guys over there in, in Philippi, if you're, in, if you're related to Christ and united with Christ, then, you know, are you receiving his love? Are you, um, are you being comforted by his love? Are you um, receiving fellowship from his spirit? If, because he didn't say, take it for granted. He said, if, if, if you're having fellowship with the Spirit, if there is tenderness and compassion, that's what Don talked about with Jesus, you know, we have love and care for one another. When Jesus is, when we are united with Christ, that's a sure sign. When we're not one with Christ, other things happen. That I'll talk about. Okay, so this I want to highlight this fellowship with the Spirit, because that's the the fellowship is um, fellowship talks about partnership. It talks about a union with, or a support of, and a sharing of. That's what fellowship means. That when we share, when we're part of one another, when we're united, and we are in um, cooperating together. The opposite is estrangement. And sometimes we, we experience that. We experience that in our families. We experience it in our marriages. Things are a bit cool around here. Things aren't quite connecting like they were. What has changed? What has shifted? Oh, yes, oh, we did, we did, we did. We had some terse words, didn't we? I um, didn't have the meal on, the meal got mucked up, and so we had uh, fries instead. That wasn't such a good choice, was it? And you can see that from then, things have gone downhill. Things aren't connecting like they were. Oh, I was late for work, so the boss is, turns his shoulder and marches out. And it's a bit of a freeze-up for a, a day or two because it's not the first time I was late for work. I was second time, third time. 
And so there comes a separation and estrangement. And the connection and the union and the support that once was there is not there. And so we... we um, and that's not the way it should be. So by forgiveness, and we know the processes as Christians to forgive, to communicate. Hey, listen, boss, I can see you weren't very pleased with me being late. I know it was the third time also. First time wasn't good. Second time without excuse. Third time, I can see you are angry. I apologize. Good communication. I will endeavor to change. Please give me grace to change. And I will put it on my top of my to-do list. Get to work on time. And he says, thank you for talking to me. So we put it right. And after that, things are a little bit better at morning tea time. He says, can I get you a cup of tea, Katie? That's really good. Appreciate it. And things are united once again. You see, and that's what, that's what Paul is talking to the Philippian church about. He's talking about a, a common sharing in the spirit, a tenderness and a compassion, a uniting of heart and a fellowship. We have small groups that do that that we connect and we're more real and authentic, where relationships are more uh, open and, um, and where we um, connect more. And that's a very, very good thing. It also talks about, the fellowship talks about spiritual privilege. And we as Christians, I don't know how many times you think about this, and this is what brings us together. It's not because we all look the same or because we're the same race, or we even enjoy the same food at the, at the food court. It's nothing to do with that. Our unity and our oneness comes in Christ. And this is some of the things that in Christ we receive. We, rece we are raised up to be seated in heavenly places. We have tremendous privileges, Christians, hugely so. The world doesn't understand. If they knew the God that I serve, they would be all Christians, the whole lot of them. Because our God is a powerful, almighty God who has given us huge spiritual privileges here on earth. We are raised up on the day of salvation. We are raised up to be seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 1 says, to rule and reign with Jesus over every principality and power. So the enemy is under our feet. You know, that's huge. Huge. The enemy will not hold me down. We sing that. The enemy will not hold me back. Why? Because Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me is powerful to overcome. We are, secondly, we are adopted sons and daughters, crafted, grafted into the vine. So we, ha we are inheritors of Christ's kingdom. How huge is that? Of God, the creator of the heavens and earth. He has raised us and, and through salvation has grafted us into the vine, which is Jesus. 
and we become inheritors with him as a son. Jesus is a son. We know he was the only begotten son of God. But he has made us sons and daughters to inherit the kingdom. And in Ephesians 1, it says, we have all spiritual blessings through our Christ, through being connected with Christ, through our oneness with Christ. It's supernatural. It's nothing that we can do. You know, I, I can't go down to the city council here, Christchurch City Council, knock on the mayor's son, uh, door and say, excuse me, Excuse me, I've been living in Christchurch 50 years, and I think I should have more privilege in this city than a few others. Some have just arrived. Now, Mr. Mrs. Mr. Mayor, what about a few privileges? What about, um, yeah, I'd quite like a fancy car to drive around the city. I'd like to inherit some of that land over there. So get out of here. Get out of here. You have no privilege. Pay your rates. That's your privilege. <laughs> Be a contributor. Be a contributor. That's your blessing. But you know, Jesus so loved us that he came from heaven to earth. He did it for us. He came and he reconciled us to God the Father that we would have access to the heavenly realm. It's huge, people. It's huge. We are given a spirit of revelation. The Holy Spirit's here to bring revelation to you which means it gives you understanding. You see things in a new light. Where once you were in darkness, once you were blocked in your thinking, you begin to think, man, that's right. I am a daughter. I am a son. Wow, fancy that. God, God sees me as a, like that. Wow, God. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. See, spiritual privilege. Intimacy. See, it's just not um, spiritual acumen, as good as that is. It's also that through fellowship with the Spirit, he gives us work to do. Huh. And when we do well, he gives us more work to do <laughs> in his kingdom. And that's advancement in the kingdom of God. And then he gives us the ability to be generous and to give of our finance, our time, our gifts, and so on. And we have tremendous spiritual privilege. But Paul is saying, if you have all these things, you make my joy complete. You, you fill me with tremendous joy because I know that you are walking in these things that Christ has given you. You see... It points always back to Jesus. See, <clears throat> let's have the, look at look at this um, unity and unity of purpose that comes out of this. And um, you see, I I noticed um, 
I don't know if you did too, but the Black Caps have just won the New Zealand um, cricket, the New Zealand cricket team have just won the World Test Championship, and that's pretty big for New Zealand. In fact, that's fantastic. And um, the coach got to, <laughs> the coach got to express, and they said to him, "Okay, coach." How come 12 years ago we were right down the bottom of the pile and now we're at the top? What's made the difference? This is what he said. He said, it's due to unity. Did you hear him say that? Due to unity, hard work and pride. Believing in themselves. And so if we can, if we can turn that into the church... We are the most powerful, effective unit here on earth because of what Jesus has done and of his power. And in that unity of purpose, we can pull through whatever God calls us to in unity. Hard work. This is a hard-working church. This is a serving church. This is a generous church. This is an overcoming church. You've overcome much. See, in the spirit, I pick it up. You've overcome disappointment, disillusionment, the earthquakes, the loss of dreams, the loss of expectation. You've pulled it through and you've kept going. You're not estranged from work and, and coming again. And when it comes to pride, well, as Christians, we have a pride in who we are as, as Christians. We know who we are. Our identity in Christ is sure. That's what we anchor ourselves in. And I thought, wow, if the New Zealand cricket team can pull it through. Come on, church. That's who we are. That's who we are. Oh, God. God, you are pulling it through here. You see, unity of purpose, what is it? What restores it and what destroys it? It's not all being the same. It's not always agreeing but it is appreciating our differences and functions. It's making room, it's cooperating, and it's complementing one another. It's a togetherness of unity in the gospel that binds us together. It's not about me. It's not about mine. And in fact, some of you can remember um, uh, the wonderful uh, old onward Christian soldiers. And one of the... the, um, uh, line says, says, like a mighty army moves the church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided. All one body, we. One in hope and doctrine. One in charity. Church, we have a tremendous blessing 
to have brothers and sisters. We have a tremendous blessing that we have leaders that love and care for us. We have a tremendous blessing of opportunity to grow our young people and their giftings. To develop skills. But much more, we have a deep, we have a, an ability to love. To love deeply. And to love authentically with one another. See, John and Paula Sanford in their book, The Elijah Task, said this. Whoever would set out to create or build unity as though it didn't already exist commits blasphemy. Whoever, in obedience to the Spirit, acts within the unity to restore unity is a soldier in the ranks. See, we are already united in Christ. That's our spiritual privilege. Christ has already done it all for us. Our responsibility is to retain it, is to protect it, and keep watch over, over us, each one of us, that we continue to remain united. Friends together, fellowship through the Spirit. That's our inheritance. That's our inheritance. When we get married and we have a, a church wedding, we have all the privilege of the church family cheering us on. When we have babies and we dedicate them, we have all the church praying for them at different times through the years, encouraging the parents. It's privilege. It's spiritual privilege. Look after it. Cherish it. Don't let anyone break it up. Don't be one that would break it up. But keep retaining it. Keep cherishing what God has done because God sent his son to die on a cross for his church. For his church. For you and for me. That we would have a oneness through Christ. Let's read Philippians 2, 3 through 11. <clears throat> okay, it goes on to say this in Philippians 3 to 11, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In, re in your relationships, <coughs> excuse me, with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, here we see strife is forbidden. It's forbidden. That oneness is cherished, and the humility through Christ demonstrating it. He's our model. He's our demonstrator. We, too, respect and value others more than ourselves. I've been recently in Hanma. Uh, I went up there for my daughter's, my uh, Rondi's birthday, and we... Two families and myself arrive, and we stay at the forestry huts this year. So that was pretty exciting. It was pretty cold. And, uh, but, uh, but we don't think about the cold, do we? And, um, and uh, so <laughs> we, we had our own huts, and I had two grandchildren with me, and that was fun. And uh, we did lots of walks and went to the pools. And one afternoon, we went down to the for- to the, you know, to the, into the forest. And I have five grandchildren rain- raging ranging from 7 to 12, two girls and three boys. So all very exciting. All the children all run down through the tracks and over the, over the stream and some jumped over the stream and some went over the bridge and, oh, can I jump over the stream? And anyway, we get through the forest and here's these huts. And um, some have been built and... Uh, Tim, my son, he thought he'd build his own hut, so that was good. And everyone was in, everyone was carrying logs and finding pine, pine cones, and we were making this amazing hut. And the children were found others, and they were playing games and protecting their hut, and it was all very exciting. And everyone was working and laughing and cooperating and having a great time, until one decided he had another idea. And he said, I think we should do this. And no, no, no one was interested in his idea. They were all having fun doing what they were doing. But with that, he got a bit nifty and a bit, you know, shirky. And he, hmm, his bottom lip dropped down. And he wasn't pleased, so he sort of stomped around and smashed a few sticks and um, made his presence felt. As one does. And, um, you know, nobody's listening to me. What does it feel like to be not listened to? Well, we act up, we get grumpy, we lash out, and everything fell apart. Well, the other children said, look at him, he's messing it up. He's spoiling our game. We were having fun, but it's not fun now because look at him. He's, he's, he's ruined it, ruined the game. And the parents sort of, they thought they should do something about the grumpy one, so they were getting grumpy too. You're spoiling the game. We've come all the way from Christchurch to have a fun weekend and you're spoiling it. <laughs> so the parents got grumpy. So then everything fell apart, didn't it? So we thought, right. And even Grand thought, well, I think it's time to go back. <laughs> so we came up with plan B, found a track. And in the process of walking along the track, over about an hour, things were reconciled. Things were put right. 
And so by the time we got back to our, um, you know, the camping ground type style kitchen and dining room, we started to play chess and uh, snap and everything was reconciled once again. But you know, it just takes one. <laughs> it just takes one to wreck it. <laughs> and we've all experienced this in our families. <laughs> Things are quiet in my family now. It's just me. But oh, I long for the times when it wasn't just me. See, know what you have, people. Cherish what you have. Value your relationships. Value what God has given you as a spiritual privilege. See, children are still learning. But God calls us forth to spiritual maturity. In 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about hope, love, and charity. It talks about when you're a child, you thought like a child. You acted like a child. But now, you're grown up. When do we grow up, young people? <laughs> in the Jewish culture, at 12 years old, the men were taken in and trained under their, uh, as to be into manhood. Sometimes I think we're missing it a wee bit in our culture. You know, responsibility was given to them at 12 to be mentored to learn the script, well, they learned the scriptures long before that, but responsibility was taken. And um, you know what? Responsibility grows people. Responsibility. When we get married and we have children, I tell you, things all of a sudden start to become very responsible. Wow, there's nothing like it. It's God's gift to us to grow up. Children grow us up. Responsibility, grow us up. Give your children responsibility. Teenagers, take up responsibility. If you're not carrying responsibility, you don't have to get up in the morning. There's Georgia. Can I really honor you, Georgia? You've picked up a responsibility in the church this year, and you're carrying it, you're running with it. Well done. Well done, Georgia. And there's lots of others that are carrying responsibility. That's what grows us up. That's what matures us. We have to get it together. I still have to get it together. Okay. How are we going? All right. Just as I finish... It's just not about us as the church here today or about the church, how many come overall. It's about all the saints that have gone before us and have invested in this place. 
And it's about all the people that are going to come behind, in front of us that we are holding our ground in our generation. We're holding our ground in this generation. One in love. One in fellowship with Jesus and with each other. In love and compassion. I was out in Oxford, and this is what Paul was getting at when he writes to the churches. I went out to Oxford as I finished about two or, two or three weeks ago. I really felt God lay on my heart. We were pastors there for 35 years, for those who perhaps are new here today, and um, with my husband, Morris. And I felt after we run, after Hanma, we ran a retreat out of Oxford Baptist Church, which is a national retreat for the Baptist denomination. And it comes up every year. And I really felt this year, having experienced it in May, that God wanted me to go out and encourage them. So I did. So out I went. And um, I, I brought a prophetic word over them. And uh, that was well received. And I, I really felt that God emphasized. I said, I have not come just to talk to pastors and say what a job, good job you're doing. Um, regarding the Hanma retreat nationally. I haven't come to talk to the elders. I've come to talk to the, everyone in this church, from the youngest Christian to the oldest Christian. I've come to encourage you and say, keep it up. Keep sustaining what you have because you don't know the full effect of what is coming out of this church that is influencing our denomination and influencing this, uh, this generation. You don't know what God has placed for this church to carry here at St. Albans Baptist. You don't know what the Spirit of God is pulling through as we are united and one in Christ, as we continue to have fellowship in the Holy Spirit and acknowledge Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We don't know what's coming. We have got hopes and dreams and promises, but it will determine the journey. The journey we're all on will determine our destination. Are we willing to lay down our own agendas, our own rights, and follow him, no matter what the cost? to preserve and to build the church that Christ died for. Let's stand.